You are listening to the Bristow Advent Christian Church Podcast. Visit us on the web at bristowacc.net. Thank you for listening. It's so good to be here today. You can bring that way down. I'm a little more of a loud mouth than those probably that that was set for, so I apologize. It's an honor always to be able to bring uh, the word uh, for any church, for any body, for any group of people, whether believers or non. Um, matter of fact, I hope that that you all would agree that in the day we live in, uh, we should be more importantly trying to share the word to the unbelievers more so uh, than believers because um, we we see the signs of the time as as the way they're listed in the in the Bible to tell us that that we are in those days when we should be about our Father's business to reach souls for the kingdom of God and tell others about Him. Um, I am challenged this morning because uh, for me it's it's uh, it's not always as easy. <laughs> To, to uh, bring a word on such a deep subject because uh, limited on time. Uh, but the title of the message this morning is The Discipline of God. We can, we, can all, we can all pretty much be honest and admit that when somebody says the word discipline, immediately, nine times out of ten, our gut is going to clench. Because if there's discipline in a diet... That means you're about to have to cut out stuff that you love, that's fun, that, that tastes good. Uh, anybody ever notice the first three letters of diet or die? Uh, that's what it feels like for me if I ever have to be put on a diet. Uh, discipline, uh, even with a child, if a parent uh, tells their, their children the way you've acted in church today, when we get home, you're going to get a spanking. That was something that I thought was, was um, typical like every every child in the world heard that every day of the week, but I guess m- me and my brother were just a little more ornery than most because we heard it daily. It was it was kind of like Mark Lowry said every night his mom and dad would tuck us into bed right after our nightly spanking, and that was kind of my childhood. Uh, we weren't defiant; we were just ornery. I had one of those brothers when when uh, dad would say, "I don't want to hear another peep," he was the peeper. Uh, before dad could hit the door, there was beep. And with three brothers in a room at times growing up, um, I got to learn a lot of discipline by watching my oldest brother, who seemed to enjoy discipline so much, he egged it on and egged it on and egged it on. So I watched uh, in life. Now, obviously, I didn't learn enough because I too then got my fair share of discipline. But when you hear the word discipline, it doesn't bring flowers and roses and, and wonderful uh, uh, thoughts for the most part. But for a child of God, it should. For a child of God, it should. I want to almost redirect our thinking this morning. In the human, we are almost trained subconsciously and consciously to, to shell up when we hear the word discipline. I could imagine I shelled up when I heard the testimony as she was saying the husband told his wife to shut up. I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, <laughs> help that man. <laughs> because immediately, you know, I mean, think about it. Typically, it, most men aren't going to be able to say that twice. Um, 
And, but thank God that it came to a receptive heart and the lady came back in and apologized. That is the true sign of God's discipline, why God uh, basically encourages us uh, to not only be disciplined, but also to surround ourselves by people who are also help discipline us in the ways of God. Now, I, I do want to cover on the fact that I know everybody here probably has different versions or translations of the Bible. Um, I, I don't apologize for the fact that I was raised so old-fashioned that the only thing I knew was old King James, the old King Jimmy. That's what I was raised on. That's what I study out of. But then when I preach, I try to use the new King James because it drops off a lot of the, the confusing things. If anybody wants a King James lesson, uh, uh, I can give you one real quick. Thou means you. Thee means you. So we covered that. So hopefully we'll be able to figure it out this morning as we go through. We're going to go through these scriptures pretty quick because... Um, I'm going to teach y'all some Greek today. For those of you that's always wanted to learn some Greek, you're going to learn some Greek today as we go through the scriptures. Now, I believe Brother Stacy has uh, the scriptures up on the wall from um, the original King James. Uh, I'm going to read them out of the new King James. You can read them along from your uh, Bible that you have as well. But since Brother Chris started with 1 and 2, we're going to go right on to 3. Verse number 3 in Hebrews 12, talking about the discipline of God. I'm going to begin in verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. We're talking about Jesus here. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Because, you know, Jesus, when it was saying... In that verse 3, for consider him who endured such hostility. Jesus was nailed to the cross. So that's some hostility. He endured uh, from sinners against him. But then it goes on to say, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And then in verse 4, it's kind of giving us a heads up. Just so you can know here, you have not yet resisted the bloodshed. Jesus shed his blood because of of, of the sins that you and I have committed. It's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that when you're a child, that Jesus paid the price for the sins that you haven't even committed yet. When you're a child, that's, that's quite a mind bender. It's like a back to the future thing. While Jesus was on the cross, you were on his mind. He was paying the debt for your salvation, for your healing, for your deliverance, mentally, emotionally, physically, financially. That debt was paid on the cross. And then here we're reminded in verse 4, none of us have, have, have gone as far as bloodshed yet, uh, as far as uh, dealing with sin or temptation, striving against sin. And in verse 5, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Now, I know I don't need to say that in this group because you are all uh, biblically sound people. But because we're also on online with the different uh, websites, the blogs, and the things that that Brother Logan and Brother Jerry and everybody does, so that this, this word goes out other places, I do want to say, when the Bible says you are the sons of God, I want you to know God is no respecter of persons. He was not just meaning the men; He was meaning men and women. When you when you hear the the Bible talk about you are sons of God. You are men of God. We're talking about mankind, not man as in a genetic 
man opposite of woman. So I want to cover that because that is one of the things that haters of the Word of God use a lot. God is prejudiced. God hates women. God makes women inferior. No, God took that rib out of Adam's side for a helpmate to be by his side, not from his foot to be under his foot or under his rule or or from his head to be above him, but from the side equal parts because God's no respecter of persons. So when you hear the sons of God, ladies, I want you to know God's talking to you too. Children, uh, all ages, we are the sons, we are the children of God. Um, this is a word from God that, that we're being told in Hebrews that we've forgotten this. We've walked away from this sometimes as believers. So this is the reminder from God. My son and daughter, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Now, let me stop there for a second. As uh, someone raised up in church, the only time I heard the word rebuked was when we were talking about the devil. Rebuke the devil, he will flee. Rebuke, rebuke, you rebuke the devil, he'll flee. Some, the devil does something, you say, I rebuke you. Well, all of a sudden, and then there's a scripture that says, God's rebuking me. It, it can almost be rattling at first. But, but this is basically a, a, an attention getter where God's saying, stop in your tracks and pay attention. God's not trying to rebuke you like we would rebuke the devil uh, God is trying to stop us in our tracks uh, because it says, um, don't be discouraged when you're rebuked by him in verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son that he receives. So I want to stop there real quick. I was really hoping this morning we'd have a good showing of all them big buff Smith boys, you know, uh, uh, Ty and Trey and Wyatt and I think they're all in a lifelong competition to see who can get the bigger biceps and them guys, they are built, they're cut and I was going to embarrass one of them and make them come up here today but I, as I look around I think the rest of us are pretty much safe we won't have to be embarrassed about y'all don't have to worry about me using myself as, as an example but if someone were going to be in the gym training you look at those guys they are probably not sharing or partaking in the diet that Jonathan takes. Um, I don't think those, those boys could handle um, all the, 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 the sugars, the Pepsis, the desserts. Uh, you know, I always have this running joke. Um, once, once God brought me back again from deathbed experience, I, I tell my wife everywhere we go, I want to order my dessert first just in case my time's up. Or in case Jesus comes back, I get the most important part of the meal over with, getting the dessert first. And we, we tease, we say that in restaurants, and even at the beach house, the waitresses walk out, and if they got cherry dump, they'll bring it out. Here's your cherry dump in case Jesus comes back. And so <laughs> I know those boys are living a little bit more restricted of a discipline on their diet than I am because you can see it in, in the evidence of their training. I would say, yes, there are some things from genetics, but then we look at all three of their daddies and think, no, this is something them boys are doing. They're working hard at it. <laughs> I, I was blessed with, with uh, round genetics, and um, I, I'm very proud of my oldest brother. He is finally leaving the family heritage of overweightness. 
My oldest brother's lost over 100 pounds already. I believe he's, he's six foot four. Uh, he's big, big old boy. But uh, I believe he's now weighing less than he weighed when he was 12 or 13. I'm um, really proud of him. Um, he's going through one of those diets. But um, I, I, I look at that discipline that they must have. When they go in the gym, they are, they are going through training. Now, before you know how to run all those machines, you've got to have somebody training you. You have to have somebody, you have to have somebody sometimes yelling at you. Push it harder, harder. Give us another one. Do it again. Because in training, in anything, but in training in weights, you are pushing your body beyond its limits because a muscle will not grow until it's been torn apart. Now that sounds almost violent, but that is the act of growing muscles. Even a child, from the time they crawl to walk, they are uh, when they start walking or standing, they're starting to rip those muscles that used to be flabby and not do anything but uh, crawl. But now those muscles are going to hold up those big-headed babies to walk. And uh, those muscles have to be ripped, uh, torn, and then in the rebuilding process, we see the effects of the, the big, muscly uh, uh, outline of these guys as they look like I used to dream that I would look um, <laughs> but um, that, it's from training. It's from pushing themselves. And it's silly. I, I almost shared a video this morning, but it just almost would have probably distracted too much. But in the gym, in a lot of the boxers, and I don't know why, some of the UFC fighters, these guys will stand there up against the wall, have everybody in the gym come up and just start punching them in the gut. And I'm sitting there looking at this thing, what kind of training is this? They will literally just, or they'll grab the medicine balls and just have people just hit them over and over and over. And for some reason, that's part of their training, part of their discipline. Uh, I don't understand it, but I'm just going to keep enjoying my cherry dump and say, God bless them. But in the process of training, in the process of going through this situation, these words where it says, who the Lord loves, he chastens. This is the first Greek lesson I'm going to give you. Uh, for those watching, forgive me if you are a Greek philosophizer, because I'm not. I had to pull up the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance and study the pronunciation key. So these are not words that I already knew, uh, but I do want to teach them to you. When the Bible talks about chasten, who the Lord loves, he chastens. That word in the Greek, let's do this here. It's pahidio. It's actually P-A-H-E-E, -E, long E's, pahi. And then the second part of that word is D-Y-O-O dash long O. So it's pahi duo. I mean, a long, difficult word. But that word to chasten, it means to train. Like in the gym, they're training. Like a weightlifter, like a runner. Like, like, like anybody doing a job, they need trained first. It also means to be instructed uh, to have an instructor speaking into your life. And the third meaning of that uh, Greek word that we use, chasten, pahiduo, was to train, to instruct, and discipline. And so in that mindset, you start thinking, okay, well then God's correction to me is going to be like a trainer. It's going to be like uh, a discipline of child. So at least it's not going to be any of the hard stuff. But we got to go on. That scripture in the Bible also uses the word 
he scourges every son that he receives. So let's break that word down. Scourges in Greek is a little easier. It's mastigo, mastigu, uh, depending on uh, how you look at that word. Mastigu, mastigo. This word, literally from the Greek, translate to a flogging. A flogging. Now, can you imagine this? Literally or figuratively, this word, mastigu, uh, this, God scourges those that he loves. He is literally or figuratively going to flog, literally or figuratively, when we're out of line, when we're starting to go into a direction that's going to bring harm to ourselves or others. God steps in with this intense of a discipline of a correction from God that it's not all just roses and flowers. It's not all, like I like, I like to say sometimes, it's not all Oprah, fin, Oprah Winfrey religion because she, she believes opposite of the Bible. She teaches the world, oh, God is all love. God, God never is angry. God's never mean. He's never, he never sends anybody to hell. God loves everybody. Everybody goes to heaven because God is love. God's all roses and, and rose petals and ice cream and uh, everything, everything soft and fluffy. But my Bible says God is that and he's also a jealous God. He's an envious God. God is angry when, when people are living a life uh, pretending to be believers, but yet denying its power. The Bible says God's instruction to, to us on people like that is from such turn away. Now, wait a minute. John, we're supposed to love everybody. You can love people from a distance. But there's a lot of teachings through this word of the type of people we should distance ourselves from. And hip, hypocrites that, that are pretending to be believers, pretending to be men and women of God, but they're, they're living a life denying its power. We're not even supposed to eat dinner with them. We're not, it says, from such turn away, don't even bid them Godspeed, which means don't even say God bless you. Can you imagine the same God that loves us, that sent his only son, that, that does so much for us, is also the God saying, hey, don't even eat dinner with this guy. Cut him off. One scripture says, treat him like a heathen and a tax collector. Not meaning mistreat them. That's the fine line we've got to realize as God's people. We're to love them unconditionally. We're to always show the love of Christ, the unconditional love of Christ. But when it, in that passage it talks about cutting them off, treating them like a heathen, it means put the guard up. Guard your family from these ones because they're going to bring in discord. They're going to bring in uh, uh, bad spirits into the mix. And so there's got to be a discipline inside God's people of who we even befriend and hang out with. We should tell everybody about the love of God. We should sit down with the sinners like Jesus did with no judgment, sit down with, with the wicked, the, the vile, the ones that he's telling us to be careful to protect ourselves from. Has anybody ever realized it before? The ones he's telling us to be careful from are the religious. <laughs> he, he, not one time is he telling us to not eat with the sinners. He's saying, be careful of the ones who are pretending to be a believer or follower of God, but they're not living the life. From those, turn away. As we're looking into God's discipline onto our life, uh, let's go on in verse 7. If you endure the chastening, the training that, that we just learned in the Greek, God deals with you as with sons. For, for what son is there whom a father does not correct or chasten? If a father loves his children, he's going to tell them right and wrong. He's going to tell them when they're out of line. That's love. 
That's true love. If you've ever noticed, I loved my dad would always give the example. When a true godly parent corrects a child, you watch a mama spank uh, a, a little one's uh, bottom, and then immediately that little one just grabs that mama's leg. The, the response of correction when it's done right is return of love. That child draws closer to the parent because the correction was handled properly. This is what should be in our lives as believers as well. As God's trying to open our eyes and correct us from time to time when we're out of line. Let's go on in verse 8. But if you are without chastening, of which all have been partakers, then you are as an illegitimate and not an actual son of God. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us all, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and, and live? For they indeed for a few days chastens us as it seemed best to them. But God, He does it for our profit, that we may be partakers of His holiness. We're at verse 11 now. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but it seems to be painful. Can we get an amen for that? Uh, no correction it seems to be joyful at the moment. You're not going to have, uh, unless they're smart aleck and not mean it, you're not going to have a teenager say, thanks mom and dad for grounding me and taking my phone. Thanks for taking the keys to my car. But a good loving parent is going to do these things when a child is stepping out of line and they see the danger of what's to come. So they've got to discipline that child. They've got to educate them. Uh, they've got to train them uh, figuratively, uh, uh, flogging them almost. Because, you know, a teenager that loses their rights to the Internet or a smartphone, they're going to act like they've been flogged. <laughs> they're going to think, you just did the unforgivable. You took my cell phone from me. They feel like a flogging, but that's God's holy, perfect discipline coming from loving parents on to guide a, a teenager's life. But the, the thought that God wants me to hone in on here today for every one of us in this room, whether you've been a believer for 70 years, 50 years, 40 years, whether you've been in ministry, whether you're on the board, it doesn't matter where we're at in life, we should always be hungry for more of God's discipline, more of God's accountability. That where so many churches are going wrong nowadays is I'm traveling and, and, and preaching revivals and evangelizing. I'm going into churches where there's no accountability at all. There's, the Bible says to even be a door greeter in the house of God, you should be full of the Holy Spirit of God. And there's people that are greeting door greeters at churches that are uh, dropping F-bombs on Sunday mornings while somebody's trying to come into church and they're cussing or talking about their night at the bar. There's, there's literally, you think I'm teasing. My wife can tell you one of the churches we came from, the children's church worker comes in almost every Sunday, uh, sometimes with a hangover, bloodshot eyes because they were out at the club all night, and they're going to go teach the precious children. And I, I'm shocked at, at what is being allowed in some churches, but it's because when someone does not want that discipline in their own life, they start rejecting the accountability and it's a trickle-down effect all down through out the leadership that if there is no accountability, then it is not being set up the way God asked for our lives to be lived and set up through the Word of God. There needs to be accountability. The Bible says there's much wisdom in many counselors. 
as long as they're, we got to make sure that they're the godly counselors that are going to bring us back to the Word of God. That, that, that discipline is good. It should be desired in a man and woman of God in our lives. Let's jump on down real quick. Um, it's, in 11, we saw that it said that uh, chastening does not seem to be joyful in the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. You look at those boys and their big muscles, that didn't happen in one day. It didn't happen just one day they quit drinking pop and they just exploded into these big cut uh, machines. They literally have had to have discipline and training to make that happen. I know as Trey's away serving our country, God be with him, that, that he is enduring training that, that is far beyond what many of us could even comprehend. Because he is having to be trained for warfare. And so that young man, uh, God bless him and strengthen him and keep him. What a precious gift to have him as part of this church. But in any other stage of life, any other job, any other work, anything else you do, there's training. Training is necessary or you're going to either fall apart, mess up, or fall on your face, or cause injury. There has to be training. But in the life of a child of God, we should continue on in the training. We should be encouraged by not just hearing the word on Sunday morning, but we need to be doing our own devotionals during the week. The Bible says, study to show yourselves approved. Watch worthy of his calling. Um we've got to make sure that we are rightly dividing the Word of God. Because listen, I've said under preaching before where somebody else stood up and they'd read a scripture and then they'd try to tell the church to believe opposite of what the scripture just said. There's full denominations that are based on those kind of things. But I'm here to tell you, the same way my father raised me, he stood in the pulpit and he told everybody, don't just take what I'm reading out of this Bible. You study it. Check up on your preacher. Go home and you read these scriptures. See if there's anything that I'm missing or anything that I didn't, didn't uh, bring out in the right way. Check up on me because that's your job as believers too. No matter who's behind this pulpit. We should all be working together uh, to make sure that we know the Word of God. Training our hearts and minds towards Him. Uh, as I close in verse 12... This is part of renewing our spiritual vitality. So many people are more concerned about renewing their, their human vitality. You go into the vitamin section and get in the silver edition uh, men's daily vitamin for, for uh, those over 50 and I need my vitality pill and this pill and that pill. Get your hair color back, ladies. If, uh, if you'll take sodium sulfate, then your gray hairs will disappear and, and your normal hair color will be restored no matter what your age is. It's a vitality supplement that's left the body at your age and now I've got women that's going to be Googling sodium sulfate, sulfur sulfate after, after church today, but I've seen it happen. Gray hair turns back to brown in elderly women when they found that supplement. So many people are studying to find ways to fix their human vitality and we should daily be working on our spiritual vitality. We should always be going to be more strengthened spiritually, worried more about the spirit than the flesh. In verse 12, therefore strengthen the hands with hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight the path for your feet so that 
what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather the lame become healed. This is the purpose of pursuing discipline of God. Pursue peace. This is my favorite scripture right now. Pursue peace in 14 with all people. Not just the people that go to your church. Not just the people you agree with. Not just the people that vote like you. Not just the people that don't blow their leaves over on your lawn after they mow. It says with all people. Even the ones that make horrible posts about you or they cuss you out when you're at work. Pursue peace with all people. And holiness, because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And this is what I want to leave with you today. The last Greek word that we're going to have in our lesson today of Greek is the word holiness. The Greek word is hagiasmos. Hagiasmos in the Greek means holiness. If I were, and I've done this before back when we were making videos for teenagers and youth camps, I went around to kids and I started asking church kids, kids that have been raised in church their whole life, and I'd ask them, Preacher's kids, what does the word holiness mean? And you know what 90% of Christian believer teenagers thought the word holiness meant? Long hair and long dresses. What does the word holiness mean to you? Long hair, long dresses. What does holiness mean to you? That church over there. What does holiness mean to you? Because we've got to wake up and open our eyes real quick because this scripture just said, without holiness, no one, no man or woman or child, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So that tells me it's pretty important. Hagiasmos, Greek word meaning purity, purification, and sanctification. This word uh, it was taught a lot from my background, and there's a lot of churches I go in today that don't teach on sanctification anymore. But it's in the Bible. It's what Jesus taught about. It, it's, it's kind of the thing of what I think would be the key that would unlock a lot of the problems in Christianity today, a lot of the problems we deal with every day. This purity, this holiness, as I finish um, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Wait a minute, we can fall short of the grace of God? Well, that's opposite of several denominations. But it's right there. Lest we fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And may this many become defiled. A root of bitterness. As I close, I want you to hear this. You can think back. If you've if you've uh, been blessed and you've never dealt with anybody in your life that's been a hater, then thank God for you. Um, uh, my wife and I don't have a lot of them, but we've got a small group of haters. Uh, I could probably count them on one hand, uh, maybe two. Um, but they make it their daily mission, literally, to make posts, make phone calls, send emails, send texts. They will literally call ahead to churches where I go to preach. They'll call ahead to try to spew hatred about me. They'll, they'll even make up things when, when the things that, that you know, I'm open about in my life, the times that I wasn't living for Christ, a uh, very shameful time of my life, I'm open about it because those, those sins don't have any power over me anymore in the name of Jesus. God's forgiven me. I've, I'm, I've been made whole. 
But they will try, since those things aren't bad enough, I guess, in the worldly realm, they'll, they'll try to make up things to tell churches, hold on, let this guy preach. Uh, this is what he's doing. This is what he's saying. And they'll go through, and, and our haters seem to follow us. But my wife and I have, have, have kept true to the Word of God because it says here, when it said that, that you've got to be careful because you don't want, when you pursue peace with all people, and pursuing this holiness, uh, lest we fall short of the grace of God, and a root of bitterness can creep in and defiles many. I can tell you for a fact that every person that I've ever had problems with in my life has given their life over to bitterness. They become bitter. A lot of people that even were my biggest fans. I can tell you as, as we close, I'm going to tell you this last story to give you an idea of how careful we've got to be. I've got someone who has looked up to me their entire life. They, they literally even made comments that they, they would say, because they knew me and my wife inside and out, they would say things like, I have more respect for you and your wife than my own parents. And their parents are, are preachers. And on and on and on, this one would say, man, just that you have taught me more. You have brought me closer to God more than anything. And, and I, we thought we were so close to this individual because it was that that close of a situation where they just constantly were hungry for more of God. Anything we would teach them, they would literally implement and change in their life. It was beautiful to watch as God was growing them in Christ. And uh, uh, we'll, we'll count to my own foolishness. This individual came to me and said, I've taken my child to specialists because there's a problem in my child. And, and I, I, I know you've got the gift of discernment and I've watched you uh, be able to Tell my, my family, my brothers, my dad when things were about to happen. And she said, will you tell me, will you tell me what you see in my child? And she said, I don't understand why that my child's always perfect for you, but he won't obey anybody. He won't obey me or his dad or his grandpa. But he always, when, he, when he's with you, he's calm. And I said, sweetie, if you really want to know, I'll share with you. But it's, it's going to be difficult truth. And she said, I want to know, I want to know. And I wish my wife would have thought to elbow me right then and say, keep your mouth shut. But I didn't. And I said, sweetie, your, your baby, your precious little one, has a level of autism. And it's, 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 not, it's not anything that's his fault or yours, but it's something that you could be trained in how to... So that's why it's not that I have some great gift. I just could see his deficiency and I... I was what I needed to be for him. So it wasn't like some magic thing. I was just doing what I knew his personality deficiencies needed me to do to keep his attention. And that's why he did so well with me. And because that one was not wanting the discipline she said she wanted, she became so angry and furious and began twisting everything and tormenting the, the very things that I said in love now became attacks and now became opposite of what they were to the point where a family member sent me letters saying, we well, were trying to warn you about this one. This is what they do. And I'm like, but that wasn't my heart. I wasn't trying to, wasn't trying to bring harm or say anything negative. I was just trying to educate a young mama. That's why he, he minds me, because I saw what he needed and I kept his attention. And so sometimes if we're not careful, spiritually someone can bring a message forth and you read a scripture like without holiness no man will see the lord 
And it might, it might spring up something in you. You're either going to become bitter or you're going to become better. The choice is yours. The word comes forward and you've got to allow the Holy Spirit of God to discipline, to train up inside you because you could take that truth and dive in deeper this week and see a whole new way of looking at life, like praying for somebody that cusses at you instead of throwing something at them because that's what the flesh wants to do sometimes. But you take the word and you go deeper with God because if not, you, you, you take something and you go bitter, you're going to find yourself going down a whole different road, a whole wrong path. But that's the message God had laid on my heart today. If y'all would, let's stand to your feet this morning. Thank you all for your attentiveness to the scriptures this morning. I hope and pray that somebody was challenged by these scriptures, that I hope God will use this to, to speak to you through this week. But as we pray, we're gonna, I'm going to dismiss this and then we can go. God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we can be together in your house with your people. And Lord, of course, in this church with your people. I know your houses, you live in us, in our temples, not made with hands. God, we love you and we thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for the, the, the way we're seeing you move throughout this church. And even though we're smaller numbered this morning, we know uh, for the reasons why. But God, I pray you'll bring everybody back together. Keep a hedge of protection around uh, your, your children, Lord. Strengthen us, protect us from all the things going on in this world. And God, I pray that you will help us to grow in this word this morning, that we will, we will seek out and, and appreciate the discipline when it is a godly and scriptural-based discipline, that we can be more like you. We ask that you bless us as we uh, dismiss and protect all those as they drive their separate ways home. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen.